Welcome to Cape and Ray Hall, nestled in the beautiful landscapes between England's national parks. As a Bible school, we offer short-term courses aimed at fostering your spiritual growth and living in a community. Our historic manor house has something for everyone. You can enjoy indoor and outdoor adventures, connect with students from around the world, and learn how to deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ. Search Cape and Ray England for more information. Hey, this is Sam Hells, presenter and producer of The Profile Podcast. Over the next few weeks, we're bringing you these bonus episodes where my colleague Andy Peck chats to the best and brightest experts on Christian leadership. Andy has spent 17 years conducting these brilliant conversations. We're bringing you the very best of them in these special midweek editions of The Profile Podcast. You're listening to The Profile Welcome to the show that aims to help you use your influence for God's purposes. I often use those words at the start of the show. When most people think of leadership, they think of leadership roles, and certainly our show aims to support you if you have a role as a Christian leader, whether that be in a church or a charity or what we might call a non-believing environment. But the hope is that if you don't have a leadership role, you may realise that you have more influence than you think. Or it could be that you develop a vision that could lead you to further God's work in some way. So I'm delighted to be joined this week by Jen Baker, who in the words of her website is passionate about seeing every person walking in greater freedom. Based in the city of Bath, Jen Baker is the author of seven books, including her most recent one, Unwavering, and wants to take you away from the decisions based on fear to ones based on faith. So I'm looking forward to exploring her journey and the kind of message that she brings to churches in the UK and overseas. So welcome, Jen, to The Leadership Show. Thanks, Andy. Great to be here. So let me take you back to your teen years and ask you whether you would have imagined then how you were being used now. Yes and no, actually, I would say. Uh, yes, in the sense that when I was a teen, I can't remember, 13, 14, it was quite a long time ago now, um, but I wasn't a Christian then. And yet I could imagine myself uh, preaching to like thousands of people. And I'd be in my bedroom with my hairbrush and I, I was literally preaching and teaching to many, 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 many people. And so there was always a seed that was in me from a very, very early age to communicate, to preach, to teach, had a real heart for that. I could see it. But the minute I would walk out of my bedroom, and this is where the no comes in, I was extremely, extremely, extremely shy. Like, almost debilitatingly shy. I wouldn't talk to anybody. I wouldn't look at anybody. I would just get red faced if anybody even looked at me. I mean, I just was very, very, I had a tremendous, tremendous amount of fear in my life. And so from that perspective, I never could have imagined like a wanting to get up on a platform or actually be getting on a platform, talking to people, communicating. And yeah, I've been called to communicate. And that was the one thing that the, the enemy really attacked early on was, was my voice. Even when um, I hadn't thought about this in quite a while, actually, but when I was about six years old, I can remember there was a lady, I don't know who she was. All I can do is I remember she had kind of gray curly hair. She's probably about my age now, but anyway, when you're six, everybody's quite old. And I remember she looked at me and she just bent way down toward me and she said, what would you like to be when you grow up? And I remember I very unusually for me, I put my shoulders back and, and I got really, you know, tall as tall as a six year old Ken. And I said, I want to change the world. And I remember she kind of looked at me and just 
laughed it off, you know, so to speak, and just said, oh, no, do you want to be a veterinarian like your daddy? And I just said, I want to change the world. And I remember again, again, she just kind of walked off. And I remember at that age thinking, what was wrong with my answer? You know, what, what was wrong with that? And, and yet there was something deep down that knew, no, actually, there's something greater. There's, there's, there's something outside of what I can see now that he wants me to step into. And I knew that there was a lot of fear going into it that I was going to have to overcome. But I also, that has always pulled me forward. Like that has always pulled me forward through the fear and the insecurities. So yes, because the seeds were there. No, because I couldn't see how it could happen. Where were you growing up? I was in the Midwest in America. So I grew up in Michigan, I uh, lived in Michigan all my life until um, 30 something, early thirties when I moved over to uh, England. Well, and um, it's astonishing that you would be a non-believer and yet have that sense of vision of communication. When did yeah, you actually it, come, when did you come to faith? So when I was 19, uh, I became a Christian. So I had kind of a little bit of an idea, you know, my mom went to church and uh, that my dad didn't. And so I was always a little bit confused, to be honest, when I was growing up and, and it was in a really small town. And it, for me at that age, wasn't very alive, you know, it just didn't mean a whole lot to me. Um, but I believe, I believe God put seeds in all of us. He just puts seeds in all of us. There's seeds of purpose that he always puts inside of us before we're born, before we were created, he had that purpose. And I think the more that we dig and look into those seeds and we go back to our early days, we can see remnants, you know, of, of what he has put in us. And then life happens. And sometimes those seeds push through and sometimes they don't. So I think that was some of those seeds that were always in there from him, even though I wasn't in an environment that would actually nurture that seed within myself. I mean, yeah. And so Jen, that conversion obviously at 19 was, was a key turning point, but other turning points along the way? Um, I think a few key turning points. I think one, actually, again, even before I was a Christian, when I went from uh, junior high to high school, so I was about 15 or so, I remember again at the time I was so shy, I wouldn't talk to anybody. And yet there was something in me that just knew that wasn't who I really was. And that actually wasn't who I wanted to be. And yeah, I didn't know how to change that. I didn't know how to break free of fear or break free of insecurity. So the only thing I could think at the time uh, was, and I was quite hard on myself. I really didn't like myself. I mean, there's all sorts of things, you know, angst as you do as a teenager that I've went through. But, but one of the things I said going into high school, I remember saying to myself, Jen, you are going to say hello to every person you make eye contact with. And I forced myself to lift up my head. And sometimes when I haven't recently, but in preaching, I'll talk about lifting up our heads. You know, you know, the scripture, Psalm 121, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? The Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. When we lift up our head and we shift our position, something shifts. I didn't realize what I was doing at the time. All I knew is I had this thought, lift up your head, stop putting your head down, force yourself and then force yourself to say hello to everybody you see. And I forced myself to make eye contact. And so honestly, those first few weeks in high school were hilarious if you would have watched me because I was like a robot, like, hi, 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 hello, hi, 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 you know, to everybody that I saw. And I actually was voted when I graduated the friendliest girl in school because I think I just kept it up. I just kept saying hi. 
but it started to pull me out of my shell and out of my fear. And some of those leadership skills started to be developed. I was actually voted on to the, the student council, which I look back and I think it's absolutely ridiculous. I had, I was terrified and had no idea what I was doing, but that was a, a big step for me. I think another, I mean, there's lots of little steps in there, um, but another big one was when after I become a Christian, I was now working at uh, quite a large church in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I'd been a secretary and then I'd become a youth associate and youth pastor. And I remember the day the pastor, uh, well, the whole pastoral team called me into their office and I honestly thought I was going to get fired. <laughs> I walked in and I saw all these, all the, all these guys. And I remember you said to me, Jen, we want you to oversee our entire missions department. And over under the missions department were like seven different ministries. And if I'm remembering right, like a half a million dollar budget. I mean, it was quite a large, large task. And I just looked at him and I said, are you kidding? And he said, no, we know you're the person, you're the person. And again, to make a long story short, I didn't give an answer straight away. But I thought, I don't have a clue. I don't have a clue how to do any of this. And I feel often the Lord has put me in a place where I just don't have a clue. Since then, I've realized most of us don't have a clue. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't think any of us have a clue what we're doing. We just try and, you know, <laughs> but I had to again, push through that fear. And that was a real turning point. It was very hard season, really challenging season. And there's been others since, but it's the challenging seasons that has shaped, I would say shaped me the most. Um, and again, knocked off some of that fear and that insecurity. And it's been a very, very, very long journey. But those were a couple of just some examples of some real turning points of no, just follow the Lord and trust him. And he will do what you can't do. And clearly your experience of moving forward and being enabled to know greater freedom yourself has been part of your own message to others. How did that kind of come about in, in a kind of a a more global sense as far as communicating with others yeah, or yeah. Being within, yeah i would say again it's been a step-by-step -step process and the lord is very kind he doesn't push us too far out but he pushes us far enough out and i think it's learning how to navigate that and for me it's just different doors that would begin to open you know when i moved over here into england uh 2003 so about 18 years ago when i moved over um, I didn't have a visa. I didn't have a job. I didn't know anybody. Um, I, I didn't even have a long-term place to live. I literally just sold my house on a word from God to your time in Michigan is done. I'm sending you to England. Wow. I sold my house. I gave everything away. I arrived. It was very much an Abraham move of gracious. Okay. Me, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I look back and I just think, what on earth were you thinking girl? <laughs> but I knew that I knew that it was the Lord and I had, and there's a story to it. I don't want to take too much time in it, but he had very clearly uh, when he spoke that word to me that your time in Michigan is done, I'm sending you to England. I had been here a year prior to do ministry that got canceled and very long story short, I had met a couple of people. Well, now several months later, when God is speaking this to me out of the blue, they phoned me, said, do you remember us? I said, yes. And she said, we feel like God's saying you're supposed to live with us. Does that mean anything? And so I had some place to stay initially, like I said, for a couple of weeks, and then some other things fell into place, but the actual move, I remember the day, I made the decision and I was just, you know, even though God had shown me a couple of clear things, people giving me money for England who didn't know I was moving, all those sorts of things, you still have to take a step of faith. And I just remember being so afraid and just tears streaming down my face, just saying, Lord, I'm so scared. I'm so scared. 
And I just knew he wasn't going to give me any more. I'd had enough. Will you take a step of faith? And, and so I did, I quit my job again at this, you know, very good job, large church, all this sort of thing. And, uh, two months later, you know, was on a plane coming over and, and all sorts of things obviously have fallen in place. It's a very million stories since the last 18 years. Um, but that actually began the big, a big part of my journey of reaching outside of kind of my own little world to obviously the world, though it still was years and years in, in the making. When I first hear, I babysat somebody's children for a couple of years because I couldn't work because I didn't have a visa. And I'm thinking, Lord, why did you do this? I gave up everything. I gave up a house. I gave up a good income. You know, I was still single, you know, not been married or had children. And I'm making this big move by myself. And there's a lot of confusion. But over the last probably even just four or five years, I'm finally beginning to see some reasons why and some of those seeds that we talked about are beginning to pop through and to grow and over the years i've just made some different connections and just been invited to share here or speak there or do that and to be honest i just do the next thing i talk a lot about following the clouds you know like moses followed the cloud by day the fire by night and for me i'm always looking for the cloud lord where's the cloud where's the cloud moving i'll just do that i don't need to try to figure it out i don't need to know why i just need to know is the cloud moving the Lord, I'll say this and finish that the Lord recently, last August said to me, will you say yes before you know the question? And I had to really think on that because I knew he was actually quite serious about it. Will you say yes before you know the question? And I just said, Lord, yes. Yeah, a thousand times. Yes, because I trust you. But that has been a big part of the journey as well. And I think that trust and that surrender and the obedience has then begun to open some doors. Um, and that's when I started writing books back in 2012 and then doing some more speaking. And then more recently, obviously with COVID and everything, doing things online and creating online programs and teaching. And it's just beginning to grow a little bit from there. Some of the themes of your latest book, uh, Unwavering, uh, Jen, what would they be with, with respect to leadership and helping people move out of fear into, into decisions based on faith? Yeah, I think there's a, quite a few different uh, kind of categories within it. And I would say the book really looks, to, especially toward the end, it looks at body, soul, spirit, which I think is really important that we lead ourselves strong in body, soul, and spirit. Sometimes we can focus on one over the other. So it looks a lot at that. It looks at coming out of insecurity and coming into walking by faith. What does that look like? It looks at identity, leading from a place of identity, not from that place of insecurity, I think is important. It looks at servant leadership. I'm here to lead, to serve others. It's not about me. It's really looking at kind of kingdom leadership. I would say it's looking at also making different choices based on the future, not based on the past. I think a lot of times we make choices based on our regret or out of fear. Instead, we're looking at how can I lead from a place of choosing, choosing with intention would be a big part of it as well. You know, it really is their theme throughout the book comes back again and again to just make a new choice. Let's make a new choice. I don't like where I am. I don't like what's happened. Okay, let's make a new choice. And coming out of that quote unquote victim mentality to know I'm empowered to choose. I'm empowered to lead. I'm empowered to see a different tomorrow because I also believe the church of Jesus Christ, the Lord is really leading us that way in a much stronger way in the new season that we're stepping into. I fully believe, believe this is about the bride of Christ. We're the bride. <laughs> we're his beautiful bride. We're his beautiful church. 
And to know our identity and our authority and to walk in it from a place of love, I think is going to be very, very important going forward. And so those are some of the themes that come out through the book. And you base some of this on Bible characters, particularly? Yes, I'm trying to remember in this book, which ones I know Abraham, obviously, is one. I remember looking at Abraham and comparing Abraham with Saul, Saul from the Old Testament uh, and his own insecurities and what took place in his life because of his insecurities, the choices that Abraham made. What happened as a result of that? Um, Obviously, look at David, look at Moses. One of my books, Face to Face, is a lot about Moses and his journey coming out of hiddenness, coming out of hiding. Where are we hiding from God? Whether it's, you know, in the area of leadership or any other areas, we hide and we hide for all these different reasons. How do you come out of that into an encounter with God so you can actually live the purpose that God has put in you and those seeds that we talked about earlier, let them actually grow. Um, Some Christians look at uh, the mandate in Genesis, the, you know, commission to fill the earth and subdue it. And they would say, well, we all have as human beings a destiny to, to, to make a difference for God. Um, and it sounds to me like you would be on board with that kind of thing, but what do you think would be holding us back from really realizing the kind of future that God would have for each one of us? Yeah. Very good question. I think two of the top things are fear and disappointment. They show up in different ways, but, and actually probably a third, I would say is confusion, you know, but I think fear, disappointment, and confusion, you know, the enemy has very few cards. I don't like to talk about him much, but he does hold very few cards. And if we can actually identify the cards and then realize that they're there and then make a different choice on how we're going to respond to those cards, then he doesn't have more he can choose from. And so I think fear, fear of the future, fear of people, fear of a million different things, but also disappointment. You know, when I do mentoring with people and things, disappointment is one of the biggest barriers, I believe, that keeps us uh, from moving forward with God. And we all have disappointments. And I I don't mean that to sound crass, but we all have different disappointments. And how can I not allow that to actually uh, steal my future. You know, sometimes we let the, the past tarnish what God wants to do in the future. And disappointment is one of those things that can tarnish it. And so if we can learn to trust God and see the goodness of God and turn things over and see through that perspective, it completely changes how we can see the future going forward. And then again, it's our responsibility to make a different choice. It's always partnership with God. It's not fully up to him. Well, I just need to wait. And if God wants it to happen, it's going to happen nor is it fully us. I'm just going to strive and make this happen because I'm sure this is God. There has to be a place of balance in there and trust. And I think that's learning the season and learning God's pattern. You know, I teach a lot as well and talk a lot about patterns. How does God speak to you? What is your pattern uh, that he speaks to you about? Because I believe he does has different patterns with each one of us. And when we can learn the pattern, then we can actually outwork that with the Lord in partnership. I think a lot of folk struggle with working out what is their desire for God's kingdom to grow. I mean, it's quite clear that the desire for, you know, materialism or whatever is, is an appropriate desire, but there's lots of good desires that we might all have. And people listening to this might be thinking, yeah, I've always had a hankering for doing this for God or that for God, but they don't sense that God has ever made that particularly clear to them. And what you seem to be saying is that there's a bit of both. Have you got any experience or any advice on how you discern whether our desires 
a God desires or not? Or have you got a different approach to doing that? Yeah, no, again, a really good question. And it's kind of a, a hard one to answer in some ways, but I think I think God puts desires, you know, delight yourself in the Lord. He's going to give you the desires of your heart, Psalm 37. And, and there is something about as I delight and as I worship him and, and I put my focus on him and my heart is toward him, his desires and my desires become the desire. And I think that is really important to outwork it that way. It isn't so much about is this right or not? Because if I'm making a decision based on, oh gosh, I don't know if this is the Lord, maybe it's not the Lord, there's fear in there. And when I'm making a decision based in fear, I'm already starting from the wrong place. If I'm worshiping the Lord and I'm in a place, I love you, Lord, with all my heart, I kind of sense this, so I'm going for it. If it's not right, we're partners together, just help me know that. You're then stepping out from a place of faith. And anything that he's calling us to do is going to require faith. And so if there is no faith and you have all the answers, then I would say it's probably not the Lord, right? There has to be a place of faith. There has to be a place of uncomfortable. There has to be a place of outside my comfort zone because his calling is always going to be outside our comfort zones. So I would say, first of all, am I not doing something or doing something based on fear? If so, okay, let me deal with that first. Come into a place of worship. Remember how loved I am and accepted by the Lord. From that place, what's my heart saying? What's stirring? Let me just take a step toward it and see what happens. And then trust God with the rest. And you've had times in your life, obviously, when that's been the case. You had a period when you were involved in the anti-trafficking movement. Would Mm -hmm. that be an example of what you've just described? Yeah, very much in that. That really came out of the blue for me in some ways. I always felt like I was going to have some kind of an involvement. Um, But again, this was several several years ago when I was asked to direct a a charity that worked with survivors of modern slavery and uh, men and women. And we were part of the government provision as well. And so when I got in a sense, thrown into that in the deep end, because I didn't know, you know, what I was doing again, you know, here's a pattern, um, didn't know what I was doing, but really having to trust the Lord in that place. It was a huge step of faith for me. And yet it also did, he had, he had already spoken. I think this was in 2006, if I remember right again, out of the blue, he said, you're going to work with I'm sure he's, if I remember exactly how he said it, but you're going to work with victims of modern slavery one day. It was very, very quick. And it was so strong. I was in the middle of working and I just sat up and I just said, okay. And I kind of filed that. Well, it was only 2012. So it was six years later that I got a call completely out of the blue. Um, And again, there's a long story around it, but to be involved in it. So he had planted the seed in me. Uh, it wasn't the time for me to do anything about it, but to wait for it. But then when the opportunity came, it was well outside. I mean, it's working with the government. I didn't have any experience in that. And so well outside my comfort zone. And yet we just saw God do incredible things um, in, in the years that I was there. And it's still going on now of seeing just lives changed. And so it was a real amazing opportunity. If I can ask a question just to unpack what you just said for, for those for whom this is a little bit out of their grid, Mm-hmm. Um, presumably you're, you're sensing that you have thoughts in your head from the Lord, which you get to recognize as being God that, yeah. that you think, which, which may become at any time. That's what you were describing. Yes. Exactly. And I think that, you know, when I talked before about learning the pattern, you know, how God works, part of that is learning God's voice. You know, he wants us to know his voice. Any father wants their child, you know, to know his voice and our heavenly father wants us to know his voice. And it's, it's, 
trial and error. And I think it's very important as well, getting people around you that you trust that also know God's voice or leaders or pastors. It doesn't matter who you are or how high up you are in leadership. We need each other. And I think kind of as we help one another, we can help each other discern, does this feel like God or does this not? And so yeah, it was this, it wasn't audible. And sometimes he speaks audibly. I had that when he called me into ministry many, many years ago. It's the only time that has ever happened to me, but it was so strong. I knew it wasn't from me and it was out of the blue. And the other option is the enemy. And I don't think he's going to be saying, I want you to work with victims of modern slavery, helping them, you know, come into freedom. So when I kind of put it through the filter, I'm like, well, Lord, and that's why I put it on the shelf. I'm like, well, I think this is you. I'm going to put it on the shelf. If it is, then I need you to outwork it. Just a few words maybe for for listeners who are in that position of maybe God's stirring something or maybe he's not yet. What would be the next steps? What would be the kind of lifestyle they might lead in the next few weeks that would be more open to some leadership initiatives? I think, um, you know, the Lord, the word talks about if you seek that you're going to find, you know, and that knocking and that asking that receiving that really intentionally seeking, like being intentional. I come back to the word intentional a lot because I think sometimes we let life happen to us either out of fear or out of control. But I'm going to be intentional to push into you, Lord, to to again, that place of worship and intimacy with him. I'm going to be intentional about keeping my eyes and my ears open to see what things bubble up. And what bubbles up on the inside of me. And then I'm going to be intentional about taking a step, taking a risk, you know, especially if fear, you know, I'm coming from a place of fear and insecurity. Other people struggle with pride or anger, or there's other things. For me, it was fear and insecurity. So my step was I had to push beyond my fear and take a bold step when I couldn't see where I was going to put my feet. So maybe it's first you're hearing from him, you're pushing into him, you're positioning yourself to hear, you're positioning yourself to be intentional. And then position yourself to actually take a step, whatever that might be, however small it might be, toward whatever it is you feel bubbling up. I just think go for it. Honestly, what's the worst thing that can happen, especially when you're doing it for the Lord, right? If it's wrong, God's just going to lead you a different direction like any good father is going to do. And so be bold, be strong, be courageous and take a step. Thank you, Jane. Well, and just in closing, uh, you have a, a, a website which talks a little bit about your itinerary and also your other books. Uh, that's uh, perhaps you could give us the address. Yep, sure. It's, if you can remember my name, it's jenbaker.co.uk. Fabulous. Well, thank you so much for being my guest on the Leadership Show this week. Thanks, Andy, for having me. Appreciate it. That was my conversation with Jen Baker. I wonder if you realise all that God is looking to do in and through you in the future. May her words be ones of encouragement to first of all seek God himself. Maybe something has been bubbling up, but you've not done anything about it. Maybe it's time to share your ideas with trusted friends who care about you and are looking for you to flourish. Or maybe it's just a case of taking the right next step. And as you do, you will hear the voice of God behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Or maybe this is not the way, But I'm pleased that you're hungry to know my ways. So I'm going to guard you and guide you in a different path. Thanks again for being with me this week. May you know God's divine energy for the week ahead. You're listening to The Profile.
Thank you, Andy, for bringing us that great interview this week on the Profile Podcast. This show is brought to you by the UK's leading Christian magazine, Premier Christianity. If you enjoyed this episode, you are sure to love the magazine, which features news, analysis, opinion on all that God is doing in the UK church and beyond. Check out brand new articles published every day on the biggest issues facing the church and the world at premierchristianity.com. We'll be back on Friday with another in-depth conversation with a leading Christian right here on the Profile Podcast. Join us then.